Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message. Well, first of all, Nathan, Nicholson, and Emma send their love. Come on. Uh, they miss you all and they, and they love you. Uh, thank you, Apostle, for the opportunity of sharing for a few minutes. Yes, sir. The Spirit of God moves whithersoever He wants to. And the anointing moves on different individuals the way He chooses to. And we must submit to that. Just in the few minutes I have, I want to share two quick stories. Yes. I've never actually told this story before because I'm a little bit ashamed of it. But for some reason, God wants me to share it this morning. Wow. When I got, share, when I got saved in 1987, I'd been an addict for 24 years, homeless, in mental institutions 10 times, in padded cells and straitjackets. Nobody gave any hope for me. They said, that guy, he's a hopeless case. He'll never make it. I had a terrific encounter with God in a place called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship in Dublin, Ireland. I had such a radical encounter with God, I got saved and delivered from a giant demon on the same night. I went to Bible school, and this is one I'm a bit ashamed about, but in another, in another sense, I'm not really. Because I said to God, use my life in whatever way you want to. I went to Bible school and I fell back on drugs again. And I got expelled from Bible school for being stoned in the classroom. I ended up living on the west coast of Ireland in a horse box. And there was a horse in it. I decided in that horse box that I needed to repent I had my prodigal son experience and I came back to Dublin but I was taking like 150 Valium a day and sticking needles into my arms for many years. I've had a liver transplant and cancer twice and I needed 41 pints of blood transfused into my body just a couple of years ago just to keep me alive. But somehow or other, I'm still perfectly fit at 67 years of age. But while I was in Dublin, I decided to go to a Christian meeting. But unfortunately, I just could not stop taking drugs. And I went to this meeting. And I fell asleep at the back of the meeting, stoned and drunk. But all I wanted to do was be in the presence of God. And sometimes you're going to get people in these meetings. They might be addicts. They might be drug dealers. They might be criminals. They might be gangsters. But they're going to be attracted to this place. And I want to introduce you to some people that stood by me. I was at this meeting, asleep at the back of the meeting. And the preacher said, does anybody need prayer? Some people looked at me and they felt sorry for me. And they picked me up. And they carried me down the front. Now, I'm only a little guy. But I'm one of those little fighters. I'm like a rat. I jump up on your head and I'll be all over you. 
and they brought me up to the front. All I can remember in the haze of addiction is this man walking towards me with his hand out to pray for me. And I'm ashamed of this, but I reached out and I kicked him and I punched him and he hit the deck and I jumped on him because in my crazy addiction, I thought he was attacking me and I beat the preacher up and the elders of the church jumped on me and tried to get me off and I beat them up. I dragged one of them by the hair out the door and tried to throw him over a fire escape the size of me. They locked the door. I ran down the, the stairwell around the front of the building, back in again. They saw me coming. They locked the door. It was a glass panes on the door of the room the meeting was in. It was in a hotel. I kicked through the glass panes, ripping my leg open, bursting a vein, and the blood was going everywhere. And I collapsed. The next morning I woke up. I was in hospital all stitched up. And when I woke up, sitting around my bed, where men and women, like you in this church this morning, and they were praying in tongues, they told me I couldn't remember a thing about what I'd done the night before. They told me what I did. But they told me that Jesus Christ forgave me. So they did too. And they said to me, John Edwards, we don't just see your problems. We see your potential. And we're going to stick with you until you come through because we believe God's spoken to us. And you're going to do great things around the world as an evangelist. And I tell you, I've been watching people in here all weekend. You might have problems. You might have screwed up on your life. But I can see your potential. And God sees it as well. And he is going to raise you up to do mighty things up and down this land and even around the world in Jesus' name. Let me fast forward. I'm clean and sober nearly 32 years now. We have, I pioneered seven rehabilitation centers in Ireland, England and Scotland. Opening up Scotland's first women's center. My wife and I, Tricia, were married 25 years this year. She had four kids when I met her. I was single for 42 years. Then she had four children. So overnight there were six of us. That was more traumatic than coming off heroin. <laughs> Having four kids overnight. Changed my world. I've got four grandbabies now. I've no children of my own, but I know what it's like. To hold a child and speak into that child's life and say, you will never be an addict. You will never be an alcoholic. You will never be homeless on the streets or be in mental institutions. Because your papa knows the direction to lead you in. And you're going to be free all your life. Many years later, I got a liver transplant. After walking across America with cancer. I didn't know why I had cancer. I think if I had known I had cancer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to walk across America. And what's that about? Sometimes the information we have about ourselves stops us from doing the things God's called us to do. Think about that one. 
I came home and they told me I had four months to live. Be careful what people say to you. Jesus Christ said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Not the doctor, not the surgeon. I got my transplant 17 years ago in May. But a few years ago, I got treatment for hep C. And this is the last story I want to tell you. I got my treatment for hepatitis C. My body, because of the transplant, stopped making blood with the treatment. The treatment was terrible. And during the treatment, I had to get 41 pints of blood transfused just to keep me alive. But I know what it's like to face death. One Saturday morning, my wife was going into Bradford where I live. I live in the same town as Smith Wigglesworth lived. She was going into Bradford to do a five kilometer run in the park. It's a common thing in Europe. And my wife's looking at me. She said, John, I can see the glint in your eyes. You'd love to be doing this this morning, wouldn't you? I said, I would, darling. Because when I do my walks to countries, I, would do, I run between 25 and 55 miles a day. She said, John, I know you'd love to be running this race with me this morning. I said, I would, darling. But I said, I can't. I haven't got the blood in me to do it. I was white as that lady's shirt. She says, come on, honey. I said, I can't, darling. I can't even walk up the stairs without sitting down. My energy is just gone because of my lack of blood. She said, come on, she said. At least get up and give it a try. And that's a word for somebody in here this morning. At least get up and give it a try. So I got up and my wife drove me into Bradford to the park. I walked over to the start line. An old Irish man, baldy-headed Irish man walking over. Looked like I was going to keel over and die any minute. But there was something going on inside of me. Something bigger than what the doctors had said about me. These people in the race looked at me like I was going to die any minute. The gun went off, they all ran. And I walked. I only managed to do 100 meters. But at least I got up and I tried, amen. The doctors in the hospital that week said, John Edwards, you cannot do this race anymore. You don't have enough blood. I said, doctor, I'm going to keep running this race. All I can see is the finish line. I said, you or nobody else is going to stop me from running the race of life that I have. I will not be dictated to by sickness. I will not be dictated to by your voice. I will not be dictated by doubt or fear or unbelief. Next Saturday came along. My wife drove me back in the park again. The people were, some of the people had heard my story. And they said, Mr. Edwards, you're an inspiration for coming in this race week after week. And they banged the government off. They all ran. I walked 300 meters that day of the five kilometers. Not bad, eh? That week in the hospital, the doctors sat me down. I'm getting my three pints of blood. Mr. Edwards, they said, you cannot run this race anymore. You could damage yourself. You could injure yourself. I said, doctors, I'm listening to you. I know my body. I'm not going to stop. But if it's any danger to me, I promise you, doctor, I will stop. Okay, they said. They said, you know something, Mr. Edwards? You are one of the most stubborn patients we've ever had in this hospital. I said, doctor, I ain't stubborn. I'm focused. There's a difference. I can see the finishing line. Friday night, Thursday night came along. I get a phone call from the hospital. John, are you still running the race? I am. Well, we want you to come in tomorrow morning 
and we're going to give you three pints of blood. We had a special meeting in the hospital about you and we want you to know you are actually the most inspirational patient we've ever had across the threshold of this ward where we're working with hepatitis C. Come in tomorrow night, we're going to give you three pints of blood so you can run your race on Saturday morning. I come in, I was delighted. I was hooked up to three pints of blood. I, if it moved, I preached the gospel to it. If it looked sick, I laid hands on it. I preached the gospel to everybody in sight. The doctors were reading my book and my life story. People were getting saved in the hospital. I got my three pints of blood. Saturday morning arrives. I'm up bright and early. My cheeks are all rosy this morning because I had a few pints the night before, you know. A few pints of blood the night before. I arrive at the race. Mr. Edwards, everybody said, you're looking really well this morning. Your cheeks are all rosy. You're looking really well. I said, I know, lads. I had a few pints last night. I'm raring to go. And then they stood in the start and I'm waiting with new blood in me. Bang, the gun goes off. They all ran and I began to walk. An hour and a half later, I crossed the finishing line of that race in the name of Jesus. I was last in the race. I've never been last in a race in my life. But that day I felt like a true champion because of somebody else's blood. And it struck me. It struck me as I crossed the finishing line. There's another race that we're in and you cannot run it. You don't have the strength. You might have been an addict. You might have destroyed your testimony. You might not have what you think it takes, but there's somebody else who's died for us, who's given us the blood that we can finish the race with. His name is Jesus Christ. His blood is in you. It's never lost its power. And what Jesus did for me, Jesus is going to do for you. There was a man in the 1600s in England, a famous tightrope walker. And I promise you I'll finish now, Pastor. A famous tightrope walker. He came to a local village one day and he said, I'm coming back here next week and I'm going to tie a tightrope from the top of that building there, 200 feet across to that building there. Do you believe I can do it? They said, yes, sir, we believe you can do it. Why do you believe I can do it? because we heard of your reputation. In that case, tell everybody to come back here next Saturday morning. Next Saturday morning, hundreds of people were in the English market in the 1600s. The man climbed up on the roof and he put his foot out on the line and he's looking down at everybody looking up at him. And he said, do you still believe that I can cross this tightrope? And they all shouted, yes, sir, we believe that you can do it. Well, if you believe that I can do it, one of you come up here and get on my back and walk across with me. You're in a situation. You might have been told you have cancer. You might have been told that your addiction will never be set free from it. You might have been told that God doesn't have a plan for you like I was. Then in the middle of the crowd, to the shame of the adults, a young nine-year-old boy pipes up his voice and says, Mister, I believe you. I'll come up. And to the shame of the adults that brought the child up, the child climbed up on the man's back, put his little legs around his waist and put his arms around his neck. And the man began to walk. Now all the people believed, they understood, they only believed in his reputation. They didn't really believe. 
Now they were praying that they'd make it. They began to walk, little by little. You could hear a pin drop in the market. They got to the far side and a great sigh of relief went up and a cheer of celebration went up that they made it to the far side. They climbed down and somebody came over to the little boy and said, little boy, how is it that you trusted that man to take him over to the far side of that tightrope? The little boy said, that man is my daddy. He's my father. He knows how to walk in the high places. You've got a father, my friends, who's walking in the high places. And God's wanting you and your experience to be raised up and seated in heavenly places, far above all power and principality and over every name that can be named. Let me tell you, my name is known in hell and I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of sickness. It is no longer John Edwards who lives. It's Christ who lives within me. I've not been rehabilitated. I have been regenerated by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so have you. So have you. We now work in Ireland. We've got a ministry called Walking Free. Because I walk everywhere. I walk the length and breadth of Wales. The length and breadth of Scotland. I walk the length and breadth of England. I walked the length and breadth of Ireland. I walked where the revival was in Wales. I walked in the Hebrides where the revival was. And I saw this morning and over this weekend, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been watching. I see the Spirit of God moving. This morning, doctor, it moved on you. And it was a privilege to watch it. Because that's why we're here. In unison with you, Apostle. And the band followed suit. And a move of God happened. My friends, there's a hand back to Apostle now. I want you to know, there's a race we're running. You don't have the strength to do it yourself. Some of you are broken. You're at the end of yourself. Remember Abraham in Romans 4.18. Against all hope, in hope, he believed. And so became the father of many nations. And I've shared this this morning to encourage you. You might think it's all over. The declaration of the confession that somebody else made over your life is ringing in your ears. But I make a different declaration today. And I speak to cancer. I speak to possession. I speak to addiction. I adjure every demonic force and satanic influence in this place. I take authority in the heavenly places in this room. And I command the enemy to come out to set the captives free. And I declare over your life that Jesus came to give you life. And I declare that every day of your life is written in God's book, even before one of those days came to be. We have 40 evangelists under us working in Ireland. Nathan Nicholson is one of them with Emma. We're reaching the whole country. We walked the length and breadth of the country. Now we're the main evangelistic group taking the country. We walked the length and breadth of Britain. We are the main group working with addicted and gangsters. We take them into our home and detox them of crack cocaine and heroin. We minister to people from different paramilitary terrorist groups in Ireland. We minister to them the blood of Jesus. That God forgives them for murder. That God forgives them for blowing places up. And God's using us.
So one day I might have been beating the preachers up. But today I can declare. Today I bring life. God's brought order into my world. He's created prosperity in pandemonium. And he'll do the same for you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Oh, my God, hold on to Benji's. My brother. I want to do something. If you're being water baptized, would you exit the sanctuary real quick and go ahead and prepare yourselves. I heard you say one time, and I felt this in my spirits for somebody. You said the hardest person to be in the world is yourself. Is yourself. It's the, most diff- the most difficult thing to do in the world is to be yourself. You know, pa- you know uh, um, Apostle, when I became a Christian and I came into a church, all the Christians were well-meaning and they tried to make me into a nice, normal person. But I've never been a nice, normal person. And I've no intention of being a nice, normal person in the future. <laughs> You know, for example, I live in a coffin sometimes. I've had to bury so many addicts and broken people that one day I was burying somebody and God said to me, and I looked at the coffin and I thought, what would you say to your children and your wife now if you could speak from that coffin? Wow. And God said to me, you do it, John. So I made a coffin eight foot long. It's got a mattress and electricity and fiber optic broadband in it. My coffin is pimped, you know. And I buried it six foot underground in England. And I lived in it for three days. And I live streamed. The suicidal began to phone in. The addicted, the gangsters. We reached 28 million people from the coffin. Now I've been buried six times around the world. Three times in America. I tried to find the darkest place in the world where the guns and the gangsters are. People have threatened to shoot me. People have threatened to bomb me out of the ground. But I stayed put. Because I have a different declaration. Come on. It is impossible to kill John Edwards until John Edwards, until God says, come on up here. Come on. And we have brought words of life from the grave all over the States and all over the world. We've reached over 100 million people. The hardest thing to do in the world is to be yourself and to express yourself from who you really are. It's difficult to live in a coffin and get accepted by everybody. But I'm dead to the opinion of others and alive to the word of God over my life. Evangelist, what would you, what would you say to the, the, the uh, students and the young adults or anybody basically, but basically that age group that struggles right now with trying to be somebody they're not and trying to, trying to be the cool person at church. I mean, not at church, but at school or whatever it is. And the church too. Yeah, and the church too. Uh, because of what that, that statement you just made, what would you tell them? I would tell them, number one, as a teenager in your 20s, you probably don't know who you are yet. Wow. And that's okay. You're on a journey. As you take steps of faith, you'll discover who you are. I could tell you hundreds of stories of self-discovery. And I didn't find myself the way counselors wanted me to find myself. 
I don't allow people to bring me back into my past and drag me through the mud and the mire. Come on. I've been sexually abused. Mm. I've been physically and mentally abused. I've had a lot of trauma in my life in mental institutions. I am not a product of those things. My history goes back to the cross. Come on. James 5.16 says, if we confess our sin and our faults to one another, it brings healing. Find somebody who's spirit-filled to talk about it. And get a vision for your life. I do lots of teaching on, on live streaming, on John Edwards Walking Free, on Facebook Live and YouTube. And I, I talk about this stuff and we help many, many people find themselves. It's impossible in a few minutes right. to teach you what you need to know. But some of you in this room, because you don't know who you are yet and you're, you've hit a brick wall, some of you in this room, of course the reality is some of you in this room have had suicidal thoughts. Hmm. They're okay. And I understand that. But as a place in God that God is leading you to and in an environment or atmosphere like we had this morning. It'll be a mental battle with your intellect to press through into it. Some of you will stand there at the threshold of breakthrough and you'll refuse to step into it because your self-talk, the conversation you have in your head, which by the way is the most important conversation you'll have today. Wow. Your self-talk is stopping you going in. Many of you have a habit. You don't know who you are because when you wake up in the morning, even before you open your eyes, the self-talk kicks in. You debate with the devil. And you're defeated before you open your eyes. My God. You're defeated before you swing your legs out of the bed. You need teaching of bringing order into your early morning. And then you need teaching how to maintain order and victory throughout the day. Only then can we truly say, I can do all things through Christ wow. who strengthens me. Only then can we truly declare we are more than conquerors through Christ. Yes, sir. Only when we learn to do spiritual warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 7. Only then do we learn to enter in to the realm of the Spirit where God is moving. Where you can learn to take captive every thought and make it obedient to the higher thoughts of the Word of God. Yes. Then, like the disciples, Acts 17, 28, it took them 17 chapters. They lived. They moved. They had their being in Christ. The emanation of God will deliver you. Wow. You will be delivered when you're not even realizing you're being delivered. Often I come into people's company and they get delivered while I'm talking to them. Wow. And they sense something shifting. Some of you can feel it right now. The enemy does not have authority in the dimension I'm speaking in now. Wow. I'm not in the dimension of the world. I'm raised up. I'm shifted inside. Ah. I'm seated in heavenly places. On. I'm on the higher wire, walking with my father. <laughs> wow. Can you sense it? Can you feel, who feels freer? Ah, come on. Come on. Come out. Come out. Hallelujah. There is a place in God where you can have a successful marriage. Oh, you impatient one. You angry one. You think you lose your temper. 
You've never lost your temper in your life. This is for some, a few people in here. You've never lost your temper. That's an excuse. You make a decision. When your environment is controlled or when something in your life comes in that you don't like, if you can't shift it with a normal voice, you make a decision to get angry to the degree that you control your environment. My God. And in the, the enemy gets a foothold in your life. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not control. We were never meant to control each other. We were meant to govern in the earth over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, not over each other. Husband or wife, stop controlling. In your anger, do not sin. Deal with it every 24-hour period. Deal with it before the sun goes down. Be a doer of the word. And you'll be blessed in all that you do. Come on. James 1.22. Amen. That's how you find out. You look at the word of God. James says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Do not be like a man who looks in the mirror of the word of God. That's where you find yourself. And on looking away, he immediately forgets what you look like. Mm. You are the result and the consequence of your self-talk. Many of you are making wrong decisions and you're living a life of consequence. Wow. You've got to declare truth into your life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Darkness was on the surface of the deep. That word darkness means chaos. God said, let there be light. You see, the darkness, the Spirit of God was hovering over it. That's the first mention of darkness. The first mention of the Spirit of God. And it says, God spoke and said, let there be light. That word light means order. Come on. You've got to speak order into your own world. But when you wake up before you open your eyes, you're already speaking disorder. My Who identifies God. with that? Stop it. Ah. It's called taking authority in your own life. Then you'll begin to discover who you are. Wow. The whole world's waiting, groaning, waiting in anticipation for the manifestation of the sons of God. And it starts when you wake up in the morning, ah. that you speak light into your life. You live an ordered life. Remember, all a rehabilitation center does, and pastor, I know you'll know this, all a rehab center can do is provide structure, routine, order, and governance. It creates the environment where the Spirit of God sets us free. You people who are trying to find out who you are, get order back into your world. Create an environment. Clean up your house. Clean up your car. Clean up your finances. Get things sorted. Put order into your world. And you create an environment, an environment where you will have a visitation. And you submit to the visitation of God. And when you submit to God, the enemy has to flee. Wow. Come he's on. Even, he's even fleeing more while we're speaking. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Amen. My brother. Amen. Thank you so much. Just one last thing. You do not become the person you're meant to be through books that you read, right. through classes that you go to. You become who you're meant to be through what you survive. In Christ. Come on. Amen. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.